Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Welcome, folks, to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My guest today is Evan Sohn, who is the CEO of Recruiter.com. Evan, how are you today? Uh, Thank you so much, Anthony, for having me on your show. I'm doing great, by the way. Excellent. Well, I'm happy. I'm also doing great because I'm so excited to chat with you. Exciting things happening at Recruiter.com. You've got just such a cool background of things that you do in the for-profit, not-for-profit realm. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, what drives you, what keeps you busy on a day-to-day basis? Uh, Sure. So I, I, I listened to another podcast the other day that talks about people are now putting into their title on LinkedIn, you know, what motivates them. So, hey, I am a father of three, married since 1993. Uh, if we were in the entertainment industry, I'd probably get a trophy, uh, you know, with a, how does he do it? How is he married for all these years? Uh, three great kids, getting older in life and in general. Uh, I started my first company in 1989. I was 21 years old. So young, I was a youngster at a time where young people weren't really starting their own companies. I was a programmer through college uh, and we started a company in mobile computing. So for anyone close to my age remembers what mobile was in the 90s is nothing like mobile is today. Um, and we uh, built a company, uh, very professionalizing uh, mobile technology, handheld technology for various different industries, and got acquired by Dun & Bradstreet in 1998. Stayed there for a little bit, pulled out by a venture capital company, come join another startup in the security space. That led to a couple of years later getting acquired by Message Labs, a UK-based company, uh, which was eventually acquired by Symantec. Uh, stayed there for a little while, left, uh, got involved in the uh, in uh, the another mobile company, which got acquired by Verifone. Spent about a decade in the payment space. Really had a great time in the payment industry. Uh, left Verifone and joined a Silicon Valley company called Point, uh, P-O-I-N-T, that uh, got acquired by GoDaddy. Uh, now, probably over a year ago, uh, and I got involved with Recruiter.com about three years ago. Uh, became the uh, CEO uh, at the height of the pandemic, June of 2020. How was that? That was like a 30-second 30 uh, 30 uh, short story gone longer. So there you go. Yeah, I just covered, you know, 15 or so covered, different companies. I covered 30 years. I actually covered <laughs> 30 years in my, you know, record time. You, you must be getting good at that. Yeah, that was quite the, the summary of a couple a couple different career transitions. So let me ask, as you've gone through, of course, I want to talk about Recruiter.com because you're doing some really cool stuff in the space at an important time. How, what was it like on you going through all of those transitions and ownership? Was it uh, helpful as a leader? Was it harmful as a leader? Or was it just yeah, a lot of lessons no, learned? Anthony, it's a, it's a great question. You know, someone asked me recently, you know, what was it like being the CEO of a company at 24 and being the CEO of a company at 54? Um, look, I'm I'm equally as dumb, right? But uh, you have a better gut when you're 54 than you do at 24. You know, uh, I think my team knows that when I say the word, my gut tells me that usually is indicative of, you know, I kind of know what I'm doing or I have the really good sense of what's actually happening. You know, I, I think the interesting thing is, you know, doing it this time around, you know, years later, you really have all these incredible experience. I've been very fortunate to have, you know, just some incredible experiences of people that I've met. 
And, you know, as I tell my kids, you know, the smartest people learn from everybody, right? You know, just because you're smart doesn't mean there's something that you can't learn from just everyone on the street, you know, from the homeless person to the CEO. Uh, and I've really been fortunate working with some great people, great companies, great partners, and being able to extract lots of exciting sound bites, et cetera, from different people and making them part of my own strategy. You know, the Silicon Valley experience was a great experience for me, but also, you know, having my own company back in the 90s. Uh, was equally as uh, equally uh, as interesting. The company that bought us also had interesting philosophies on things that they had to do. And you really get to look back, you know, at at now and you know in your fifties and say, all right, what well, what did I learn that was positive here, positive here, positive here, and really build on to that into you know who I am today. Look, you know, I, I've been fired from companies, right? You know, anyone that's in sales, I had a CEO who once said, you know, you're not that he was told he I think he had worked at like. I, I think he was working at Computer Associates at the time or earlier. You know, and he goes, you know, you're not really a salesperson until you get fired, right? Until you know that you actually have a, a real serious pipeline, a forecast, a number, and you miss it and you get fired. Now you're really a salesperson then, because that really means that it's not just about who you are as an individual, you know, it's what you're doing on a day-by-day -day basis. And companies change and morph into different things and they need different skill sets at different times. But even that, these are all just incredible experiences that really go into building the character of whoever you are today. Yeah. So it, thinking of that, like your career transition as a developer, salesperson, et cetera, um, and having to wear different hats at different companies at different stages, what is the hat that you wear now? Like, how do you identify yourself? Where do you drive the biggest value currently? Yeah. So, uh, you know, cook, bottle washer, whatever you want to call it, right? You know, I, I tell everyone in the company, we're about 70 people in the company, you know, and I tell everyone, you know, I work more for them than they work for me. I, I think the challenge of a CEO, uh, you know, what I really do today is really set priorities, get everyone focused on their specific KPI, key performance indicator, uh, get really good clarity on what the next stage looks like. You know, if I was going to give myself a superpower, I'm really good at sort of identifying a problem and then let's actually map out the work streams necessary, you know, what's next. And I've worked for CEOs that, you know, would draw two circles in a line and go, see, I solved the problem, you know, and gee, that's really simple, right? We're at stage zero and next stage is global domination. Great. See, I drew the line. I'm done. That's not the challenge. The challenge actually is, you know, how do you go from A to B and how do you go from B to C? And I think where we make uh, missteps along the way is that we jump too quickly. Gee, there really was a step B and you, you couldn't just go from A to C without that step B. You know, so when I would sit down and I, I've most of my life been in the sales role, I, I still find, you know, I, I love pitching. I love, you know, that's uh, presenting, pitching, et cetera. Yeah, most of the time when you're in a sales role, uh, you're really trying to figure out what comes next, right? And that that really is, you know, how that actually all sort of manifests itself in terms of, you know, how do you move that, how do you move that uh, that that client along the way uh, to really, uh, you know, enable those things to actually happen. And and I find that to be just, you know, very very, uh, you know, that's the thrilling part of things. So I, I usually come with it from a sales background, like what's next. What's next? What's next? What's next? Go get the customer, go get the signature, you know, take them along that journey. And that's, that's really, I would say, you know, what I've really been able to really, uh, you know, be my superpowers really to figure out what's next. And then, you know, when I would work at companies in a head of sales role, either the first salesperson, something like that, I would always sit down with the CEO and I'd say to them, well, where do you want to be in a year from now? 
And they would usually tell me where they want to be in five years. Oh, we want to have a thousands. Of, I go, I don't, I don't care where you need to be in five years, right? That's not my problem. I want to get you to where you want to be next. So where do you want to be in a year from now? And really just getting excellent, excellent clarity on what's next. How does that next thing look like? And the, the better you could define what the next step is, the better you know when you get there. Yeah, I find that there's a couple of different things. So I really like the the what comes next, the leveraging your- taking notes. So obviously I'm saying something either really stupid or really good, like never, ever say, no, but there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Anthony. No, no problem. Well, I just really want to make sure I get it because I think that I see people who are extremely strategic that are do it well. And then I see when people do strategy poorly, they say, hey, I've got this objective. It's qualitative, it's broad, and but they actually don't know how they're going to connect the dots. So that connecting the dots in an incremental way is so critical. And I think as a leader in your role is helping people not just take that big leap because it gives them too much space to flounder, but enough space where they can say, hey, like, this big leap is going to be scary and you're going to screw up a whole bunch. But if we focus on a bunch of small leaps, it's easier. And then as a salesperson, it's about, hey, micro commitments. What is the next? Yeah, that's right. Right. That oh, so I'm glad you use the word micro commitments. I'm a huge believer in micro changes also. You know, what little thing could you be doing this week that's going to have that impact and not being afraid to, you know, test and try new things. So I, I completely, completely agree. You know, you and I are totally aligned. And, and I'll give you another you know, phenomenal learning from Silicon Valley and my old CEO at Point, you know, he had this line, a trend starts with a single data point. And, uh, you know, and, and he, he would say that that's the difference between East Coast mentality and West Coast mentality, right? On the East Coast, you know, if a customer complains, uh, you'll say, you know what, let's see if we get five more complaints. If we get five more complaints, then we'll, you know, have a plan to go solve it or something like that. On the West Coast, the, the moment there's a customer complaint, you assume that there's going to be 10,000 of the same complaints. So let's go solve the problem now. And you and you look at how they've been able to really iterate uh, incredibly quickly. It's because they don't wait around, right? They're just looking at a problem and, and a trend starts with a single data point. And, and I, I love that line. I, I must say it at least, you know, twice a week to the team. Um, in, if not informed, then in theory, gee, this really worked for this customer you know, how do we thread that? How do we replicate that process across the board? Yeah. So I've heard a couple of things. It's interesting. I was talking to a colleague that we chat regularly and I said, hey, you know, who, who are you working with? And she's like, well, the West Coast people are big dreamers. The East Coast people are pretty brass tacks. So we like the Midwest because they're kind of the compromise between the two. And I also like that idea of, of the setting goals that starts with the, or the single data point. Because I find when people try to set specific measurable goals, smart goals, if you will, that they're like, oh, I don't even know where to start. Well, start somewhere. And once you start somewhere, you can iterate. So now here's my question to you as a CEO, as a salesperson, as an entrepreneurial thinker that looks over there. How do you pick your battles? Like, how do you figure out both where you're going to focus and where your team is going to focus? But because you're the chief cook, bottle washer, you got all of those places. How do you say no to stuff? Yeah. So I had a great CEO who said the greatest challenge for a growth company is to understand the difference between a temptation and an opportunity. Another great soundbite, right? I, by the way, Anthony, I like living these soundbites, but you know, temptation opportunity. And, you know, I would probably say that my, my spin on that today would probably be ironically start at the end. How are we going to win as a company? We're recruited.com. Like, how are we going to win? And is your idea a distraction? So that's not how we're going to win. Or 
should we be going into resume writing? Let's just make that up, right? Is that an area that we want to expand on resume writing? We get all these candidates and their resumes aren't good. Maybe we should start a service that we actually edit their resumes for them. Are we really going to win at recruiter.com by having the world's greatest resume service? Or should we partner up with a company that does it and offer it up as some sort of side service in our career communities. You know, so even those things, and, and you know, what, what the other thing that's really interesting is, you know, everyone that's in the company sort of has their own motive, right? You know, you're the CEO and, and I have a partner, he's the co-founder of the company. I'm not, I'm not a co-founder, he was the co-founder of the company. And, you know, he's my partner, Miles Jennings, the CEO of the company. And, you know, we are absolutely aligned on what's motivating us both. And every now and then you get people and certainly in different companies where, gee, I'm trying to grow my team. I'm trying to protect my team. Or, or let, let's give everyone in the positive sense. If you've given out these KPIs to everybody, everyone's KPI, everyone's going to be focused on their KPI and their specific KPI. You know, if it's your head of finance and they want to make profitability, they're going to hate when you hire people. They, they must hate when you hire people. If you're the head of sales and you care about sales, all you want to do is hire people. So clearly there has to be this balance between, you know, everyone's objectives and how they're going to get there. And I think being transparent with the team, you know, as CEO, I, I try to be as transparent as possible. Hey guys, here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what I'm worried about. And, you know, when I do the, when I do our like all hands meetings and I actually tell people, here's what I'm worried about. They, they appreciate that, you know, certainly in this new world, that we're living in, in this, you know, sort of virtual world, you know, I can't walk into Anthony's office and see him like pacing around nervous or smoking a cigarette outside or, you know, Hey, Anthony, what's wrong? Ah, you know, I just got the phone. Like no one sees that anymore. So if you're not seeing that anymore, you almost have to like pull that out of people. Hey, what are you worried about today? What are you concerned about today? Yeah. I love that. Like being able to share, share that. So everybody has that common understanding both. So you can get help because I think that CEOs potentially under consider that they can get their team to help them. They feel like they have to burden all of the weight versus, and then also there's the you helping others and others helping you. So creating that shared. Yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll give you a couple other things that we're doing at the company. You know, we, we have a culture committee and we have focus on culture and we sort of have the three B's. Uh, actually four, you know, uh, be, be, be bold, be an owner, be human and be grateful. Right. So uh, we want people to take ownership. You know, when you're in a fast moving environment, uh, you know, I don't want to have to hold everyone's hand through every single process. I want to be able to say, Hey, Anthony, here's the mountain. Here's your bullets. Go take that mountain. Let me know when you're done. Or if you trip along the way, we could fix it. That's being an owner, being bold, you know, take shots on goal. You're, you're a Vancouver guy, right. You know, it's you take more shots on goal, right? How many shots are you taking on goal? That's the being bold side of it. Take a chance. Hey, look, it's okay to say, hey, look, I'm going to test out something and I'll report back, right? You make a lot of mistakes, just make them quickly. And then the third of sort of be human, you know, there's a human element to everything. And, I, you know, I love it when people on in the company call me out. Hey, Evan, you shouldn't have said it that way. You're right. You're right. I was obnoxious. My apologies. But like, you know, we got to be human. And then obviously being grateful and appreciative of everyone that's in the company. You know, today, more than ever, your best asset at a company is its talent. And today, more than ever, you know, the, that talent has far more options than they ever had before. And, you know, they don't just want to work at someplace that's going to pay them a paycheck. It's, you know, work-life balance and being, uh, being uh, acknowledged, uh, having progression and all those things really tie together. And literally, you know, when we do high fives at the company through, you know, a bunch of different systems that we use, it's, you know, great job on X, be bold, 
great job on this, be human, great job on this, you know, be an owner. Yeah. So tying, tying the acknowledgements and the behaviors to those values that you're to leaving. Those values. That you want right. To you know, awesome. so hashtag be bold, right? Who's being bold in the company? See, I love that. So I want to ask you more about what y'all are doing at recruiter.com. But before I do that, I'm going to have a weird segue question. You ready? Anytime. Cool. What do you love about Eli Manning? Uh, there you go. Cause you saw the Eli Manning. So uh, it's a little bit of a long-winded story. Um, in 1993, I had a brother who died of cancer in 93. Uh, he was one day short of 29. Uh, he was a wall street trader and uh, his boss friends wanted to do something to commemorate his memory. He, my brother was like a really sweet guy um, in a world where no one is ever called really sweet, um, the finance industry. And they had this idea of a finance conference where they would get great speakers to speak uh, for free and people would pay to hear the speakers. And if you've, you know, this is this in 1990, uh, we launched in 95 was incredibly novel, right? Most conferences that you go to, they're paid for by the sponsor and then everyone else shows up for free, you know, and eats away. And here it was really the opposite. First year we had about 70 people on the conference. Most of them were related to either me or the 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 the, the chairs of the of the of the conference and foundation. And now we have you know 25 years later we've raised over 100 million dollars for pediatric cancer and other childhood diseases. We operate in 11 cities around the world: Sydney, Australia, Hong Kong, Tel Aviv, you know Mumbai, uh, and then our big one is in New York. And it's all financial best idea conference, the 15 minute shot clock. Like we invented all that stuff. Really, my uh, the the founders of the of the conference, Doug Hirsch, Dan Neer, Lance Laper, invented the fifteen minute shot clock. We're a little bit famous now. Uh, there's a documentary on Netflix about Carl Icahn, and there's a whole thing with Carl Icahn and Bill Ackman on Herbalife, and that was all done at a at a Stone conference. So, long story shorter, or short story longer, uh, every year at the conference, we would have a speaker sort of keynote, you know, a little bit longer than fifteen minutes about philanthropy. Uh, we've had Ken Langone, we've had Mark Messier, and we've had Eli Manning. And then, uh, so we gave him an award. He does Eli Manning does a lot with children's cancer. So we get we we actually launched a you know an Eli Manning program with with uh, the Iris Stone Foundation. And so there there you have it. So I got some autographed footballs and you know nice things with uh, me and Eli. Very cool. Well, that's a, a definitely a damn good reason to be an Eli Manning fan. Uh, I think it's really cool. Thank you for the work that you, my uh, little known fact, my younger brother also passed away from cancer when he was 20. So uh, it sucks. And, uh, you know, I think it's great when people use their power for good instead of evil or in addition to evil, I guess. Uh, so good on you for, for, for uh, the work thank that you, you do. Thank you. It, it is probably some of the most fun that I have, you know, the impact that we've been able to make. And, uh, you know, look, you lost your brother and I'll say, you know, cancer, you know, cancer changes lives, uh, pediatric cancer changes families mm -hmm. and, um, you know, not to, not to, you know, diminish anything, but when it's a child, uh, you know, and your brother and you, you know, those are not the expected things, right. You know, it's supposed to be grandma and grandpa. You're right. It's not supposed to be brother, sister, child. Yeah. Well, it's uh, you know, uh, a challenge to all of our our listeners. If you see happening anything happening in the Stone Foundation or any cause that you believe in, you know, be 
consider an extra long minute as you look at it and say, hey, how can you? Thanks so much. By the way, it's, it's also, you know, we're, we're doing a lot in the financial industry. We're a public company. We're on NASDAQ now, RCRT. And I, and I get every now and then, are, are you any relationship to the Sone Conference? By the way, it used to be called the Iris Sone Investment Research Conference. Then it was called the Iris Sone Research Conference. Then it was called the Iris Sone Conference. And then the marketing people said, hey, just call it Sone. And, it, you know, the only people that like calling it Sone other than the marketing people are my kids. <laughs> a little bit because uh, it's you know for me it's my brother and uh, but yes thank you for bringing it up Anthony appreciate it absolutely well that's how you started today actually was saying hey what what drives me well it's your kids so now we're, we're, we're full circle so um, as we finish up here as you look forward to the space so going back to recruiter.com to the company to the world that we're in what excites you what challenges you what is you know kind of the marketplace that you're you're envisioning yeah. for the future that you're like ready to play in that sandbox so um i've been pretty i'll tie this all together so i've been pretty fortunate in my career with sort of being able being pretty good at seeing where the hockey puck is going we said hockey puck you know hockey before right where the puck is going so you know my first company no one was doing anything in mobile applications. And we're like, gee, if, if these things are going to be popular, it's going to become through third-party applications. And we were like the first ones doing like real professional applications on mobile devices. And we got acquired. Uh, security space, uh, we were doing instant messaging security. You know, how do you ensure that messages are security? That uh, We were in payment space. We were doing smart terminals. Now you see them everywhere. You know, so I've always been pretty good about getting, you know, really at the beginning of a process and seeing uh, an existing industry and how you reinvent an existing industry. I believe now the same way that everyone in this country is spending money on security. It might be embedded into your email system, it's uh, in your router, or you have a network IT security person, a hosted VPN, or if you're a big enough company, you know, a chief security officer, security people, et cetera. I believe that the same way that that's happened in the security space will happen in talent acquisition. We will forever. Uh, be spending more money on hiring and retention than previously. It's just, it's a, it's a fact. We're not going back in time where one person has a job for 25 years. And again, I'm generalizing, but it's not really a generalization. Um, so I, we actually predict that every company with more than 20 people or so uh, will be spending money uh, with a third party on talent acquisition. Now to date, there are really two choices of how do you hire someone? Uh, it's fundamentally two choices. You either do it yourself and you post a job through Indeed, LinkedIn, ZipRecruiter, or the other hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of job boards that are out there. You collect the resumes, you review the resumes, you screen the candidates, you interview the candidates, uh, you know, and you hire. So you did it yourself or you hired someone else to do it for you, right? You got a headhunter and you said, do it all for me and I'll give you 20 to 30% of the salary. And those are the two ways to do it. That does not work anymore, aside from the very high level executive roles. And we are reinventing that whole industry by combining our AI software, which has access to 170 million records in the US alone uh, that we could find just about engage just about anyone in the US. And then we marry that with our talent advisors, on-demand recruiters, think of it as like Uber for recruiting. Uh, and we could uh, help you as a small business uh, through an offering that we call My Recruiter. 
Uh, so start that recruiter.com, my recruiter, it's all subscription, no placement fee whatsoever. So every company, no matter what your size, you should have someone focused on talent acquisition and retention. And we are doing that and delivering it today. We have incredible clients that range from fortune 50 companies to literally, you know, small, small businesses where the owner says, look, I would do it myself, but I don't have the time, you know, look, you could do your own taxes also but you bring on an accountant and do it for you. Why? Because you're not, you know, you're not qualified to do your own taxes. You could learn how to do it, but that's not a good use of your time. Uh, we believe the same thing, certainly in the small business level when it comes to talent acquisition. And we are completely prepared to do that uh, for companies of all sizes. Cool. I love that. Well, we're hiring two roles. We're looking for a US facilitator and a new marketing person. So I'm definitely going to check that out. And what I'm taking away from that, from a visionary perspective, long-term perspective, is that go where the puck is going, not where the puck is. The world of talent, the world of people is changing. It's dynamic. It's being disrupted, dare we use the word. And it's really cool to hear how you are applying your tech thinking, like problem solving from here to here thinking um, to that problem, because it's only going to get more exacerbated. And I also think on a global level, you know, for the talent marketplace, especially post code the last two years, because I'm not allowed to say that word, uh, is going to uh, adapt hugely. So I'm really excited to hear and see what recruiter.com does and uh, what you do personally uh, in life and in work. So uh, where can people learn more about what you're up to? Where can they connect? Where can they, uh, you know, use recruiter.com, which is now there you go. Say, so, it's um, um, phenomenal URL. So it's Evan, E-V-A-N at recruiter.com. You can go to recruiter.com. We've got tons of information there. Uh, you could follow us on Twitter, recruiter.com. You can go to LinkedIn. We actually run the largest LinkedIn groups for like recruiting and HR professionals. And I'm on LinkedIn if you're interested also. Uh, if you're interested in using the service, you can go to start.recruiter.com. I think that's the URL right now for that My Recruiter service. And uh, really check it out. Uh, there's a lot going on in talent acquisition. More money will be spent in 22 than uh, ever before in hiring and retention. And we actually predict that $50 billion more will be spent on talent, on acquiring talent in 22 than, on, than in 2019. So we can come back in a year from now and I'll tell you how well we did. Cool. I can't wait. You'll have an even bigger smile on your face. But uh, Evan, honestly, it's been a, such a pleasure chatting with you. I wish you and the company and your family uh, nothing but the best. And just thanks for making the time to be on the show today. It's a pleasure, Anthony. Thank you so much for all that you do and the information that you deliver to your audience on a, on a regular basis. Thanks, Evan. I appreciate it. Be well. And to our audience and our listeners, thank you for being here. I do encourage you to not only check out recruiter.com, that's not a plug, but really consider the future of talent development, not only how you're going to bring people into your team, how you're going to nurture them. And then uh, hopefully you got a couple really great sound bites out of today of, and Evan and I's conversation. So thanks for being here. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Uh, I just really appreciate all of our listeners. And uh, once again, my name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week, so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. 
Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.